Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This time on Vet Story, we'll talk beards and baseball with Washington Nationals relief pitcher Sean Doolittle. Mine was growing in this glorious ginger red uh, that I didn't know was in there. And U.S. Marine Corps veteran Marsoc Raider Nick Carnese, founder of the beard grooming products line Stubble and Stash. You know, and in high school, that's pretty much what you're focused on, whether it's yourself, sports, or girls, right? And it started to get out of control. You know, I needed something. I needed something for it, you know? Like, I needed a way to tame it somewhat. And we'll save the names, but this young lady <laughs> is awesome. I don't want to embarrass her. She reached out to me. She's like, oh, my God, Nick. I met this guy. He's amazing. He has a glorious beard. What was it like growing up with an Air Force veteran dad? Was he tough? <laughs> no crying in baseball, damn it. I mean, was he that kind of dad? Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't really understand it. I didn't agree with it. I kind of pushed back on it. Nick, too. I mean, you've been with the special operations community, you know, probably disproportionately affected by some of these issues. If you were to come forward and admit that you are experiencing symptoms of post-traumatic stress or anything like that, you could lose your security claim. The conduct that got them the bad paper discharge could be directly traced back to their service. Take a cue from hockey, and if it gets bad enough, you guys could just, just throw down, and then you get two minutes to sit out, and then we're done. Okay? <laughs> Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Sean, Nick, welcome to Vet Story. Damn glad you guys are here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Let me, let me start. Can, can I, I typed up a fancy intro. Can we do my intro? You're used to major network television. You know how they always have the produced packages at the very beginning? Let's do it. All right, cool. Sean Doolittle, ace relief pitcher for the Washington Nationals, son of an Air Force veteran, and distant cousin to World War II legendary pilot, Lieutenant Commander Jimmy Doolittle, who led the harrowing mission known as Doolittle's Raid. A retaliation to Pearl Harbor. In April of 1942, cousin Jimmy flew bombers off the flight deck of the USS Hornet, striking Tokyo with bombs, invigorating the entire nation. Crash landing in China and living to tell about it. Now, generations later, you, kind sir, are a professional baseball pitcher. <laughs> I'm sure Cousin Jimmy is proud. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I, I, and I'm sure he is, man. You're a relief pitcher for the damn Washington Nationals. It thrills me to know you, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that military story in just a second. And uh, Nick Carnese, we've already been a guest, so you don't get fancy intro music. Hey, it works there. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Former uh, Naval Academy grad, as I said in the intro, Marsoc Marine Intel Officer, Crayon Eater, and a founder of... Uh... <laughs> I just threw that in there because we're Navy Marines. I bust on them all the time. 
Yes, uh, founder of Stubble and Stash, and uh, killer story dedicated and uh, in honor, tribute, and uh, you know, constant remembrance of your bro who uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice in Afghanistan, Justin. Yep. And uh, you know, since then, since um, you know that fateful day, you've been growing the beards out, and now supporting bearded badasses everywhere with the vet beards and a line of grooming products called Stubble and Stash. Uh, Nick, friend of the show, man, glad to have you. Hey, thanks for having me back. Let's start off with how we're here together. Okay, both beards. I know how we know each other through Stubble and Stash and through Veteran Service. Sean, how did you guys get connected? How do you guys, I mean, how do these two worlds combine? Um, well, I guess it started back when I started growing a beard. Uh, I'd never had a beard before um, in college and coming up through the minor leagues. I had to be clean shaven. And I got to the big leagues in 2013 and, and the bullpen said, we're going we're gonna to grow beards. We're going to do a bullpen thing and, and we're all going to grow beards. And um, so I started growing it by, by probably by the time the season started, most of the other guys had given in and shaved it, uh, whether it was too itchy or it was out of superstition. They had a bad outing, they shaved it, they got rid of it. But, um, mine was growing in this glorious ginger red, uh, that I didn't know was in there. And, um, so I decided to keep it and, and, and I just didn't cut it for several months. Um, and it started to get out of control. And, um, I think, um, you know, I needed something, I needed something for it, you know, like I needed a way to tame it somewhat. Um, what was that 2014? Yeah. There's, do you remember a girl was trying to impress him? Ooh. Yeah. I think you're at Walter Reed. Oh my, yeah. That's yeah. Right. And, and we'll save the names, but this young lady <laughs> is awesome. I don't want to embarrass her. She reached out to me. She's like, Oh my God, Nick, I met this guy. He's amazing. He has a glorious beard. I want to give him some product. I'm like, Okay. And I think that's how you first that got is. your hands on it. That's it. And I mean, she, I mean, she's, she's awesome, but she didn't, she didn't know, you know, she didn't right. know more than just like, here's this amazing guy doing great work with veterans and he has an awesome beard and never heard of this company before. And she wanted to, you know, get some goodwill from him, you know, because she doesn't know maybe he's single, right? No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember when she reached out about that. I was like, this is awesome. That's cool. But it also flashes me back to Kevin Costner's movie, uh, for the love of the game. Right. You know, where, I mean, it's, that actually happens for some ball players, not you, Sean, but that's got to be a hazard of the game, right? I mean, like you're in the Holiday Inn bar at the end of the night, you know, you finish your game, nobody else to talk to, and everybody's, hi, what's your name? Does, does, does that really happen? Um, I can't say if it happens or not. Uh, I'm ha very happily married, um, so I wouldn't know. Okay. Um, that would explain a lot of crappy performances on the ball field sometimes, you know, where you just can't excuse, like, why did the guy not hit? Come on, you really 0 for 7? Come on. And then maybe it's because he's spending a little too much time in the lounge and not enough time, you know, in the hey, batting you know, cage. Not enough discipline, right? <laughs> that would be me. I would be a washout even in the minors. The second somebody <laughs> knew my name and wanted to buy me a drink or give me grooming oil for my beard, I, I forget it. Okay. Beards in baseball. It used to be a postseason thing when, you know, guys got into playing in late September and October, and then you'd see the beards really come out because out of superstition, like they don't shave, right? Is it now, now are a lot of players just embracing it and it's like a thing? Like, yeah, it's a year round. It's a thing. Um, yeah, like playoff beards, what you mentioned, it, it, they're, they're big in hockey, it probably is, is the biggest sport, but they're also pretty big in baseball. Um, baseball players are incredibly superstitious and, um, that's one reason that 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 a guy might might grow his beard out, but 
Um, I, I think we're just seeing guys now over the last maybe five years or so um, just kind of doing it to maybe show their personality a little bit. Um, hmm. Several teams have kind of loosened the reins on uh, some some of their team rules or their grooming standards or whatever you want to say. But uh, And I think some guys are just taking advantage of that. And, and I think it's cool because uh, you get to kind of see um, – it, like I said, it, it kind of just shows the guy's personality, and and there's uh, it seems like there's one or two you know really good beards on every team now. Yeah, and the Nats were impressive. I'll say this, uh, you know, you guys have some really good beards on there. Um, thinking of yours, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't say Harper. You know, he, I mean, yeah. he's he's got a solid beard. Tanner, Tanner, Tanner yeah, he had a really good beard. Yeah, Tanner and, and Sean Kelly, um, you know, both have. Uh, Really good beards. Uh, Tanner, uh, let's see, Tanner Strasburg has a pretty good beard. Strasburg, yeah, I'm trying to get him to maybe grow it a little longer. I think it could look really cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like Tanner's, <laughs> like get it, like get it to where Tanner's at. Um, you know I, who I miss is Worth. Worth. I mean, oh, yeah. that was yeah. He was scary, Jesus out there, man. That thing was bad. I'll tell you, that, when I got traded over here, I was super intimidated by him. I he was like the guy that I was like a little nervous about going to, you know, introduce myself to. Um, you know, he just has this look about him, you know, but um he 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 was an incredible, you know, leader for this team and and uh, I'm very lucky that I got a chance to play with him. Yeah, wishing him the best. Right on. Um Rendon does kind of a crossover thing with his facial hair. I like it. Um you know, he can go beard, he can go, you know, goatee. I mean, he can slick it up. It can look real aerodynamic and as you can see here, Nick, and don't bust my chops, but I mean, I don't have a lot of facial hair going on but i what i do have is neatly trimmed like like a baseball field got the soul patch here <laughs> in the center uh, is that respectable does anthony rendon get respect for his facial hair or is is do you guys I, tease him no i i like this look he's got the full like goatee that that comes down you know several inches um you know what especially last year when he paired he had long hair last year when he paired it with that i it, it looked it looked really scary he's dreamy <laughs> Nick, you're in the beard business. Is a goatee okay? I mean, can a can a vet rep a goatee and still be legit, or do we need to grow the no, you man, know, hundred and first airborne? No, that's your personal style. I, I think some guys are like, oh, you have to grow your beard out. Some guys don't believe in like maintaining it, but like this is a representation of your personality, so whatever works for you. You know, I'm not okay. going to judge you because you have that cute little flavor saver down there. <laughs> it's a soul patch. <laughs> And while we're on that, when we'll put pictures up with this podcast as well, but uh, while it's a very neatly grimmed, almost transparent kind of chin hair that I have as, as it's white, um, I refer to the look with the transparent chin hair and the soul patch right here. I refer to it. I got a name for it. I want to try this out on you. It's the smooth criminal. I like it. <laughs> I don't know if I like it because it scares me or I like it because I genuinely like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let's get to other things we like. Um, before we get into the good deeds you do, Sean, because you, there's a lot to talk about with what you're doing for veterans. I really appreciate it. Um, one of the cool things I really have liked about your story and what I like about what you're putting out there is, um, well, I'll just play it. It's It's this. <laughs> Now it's Metallica. I'm kind of requesting permission to use this in the podcast as I play it. So please, <laughs> no lawsuits. Come on. We love you guys. Uh, you came to the Nationals from the Bay Area, from the Oakland days. Um, 
you met Metallica. Talk to me about that. Um, yeah, I've gotten the, I've had the privilege, I guess, of, of meeting him several times. Um, ever since my rookie season, I've used uh, Metallica song as my intro. So when I come out of the bullpen, they play Metallica. Right, and right. Uh, in uh, 20, shoot, I believe it was 2015, uh, when I was with Oakland, they, we had a, uh, a giveaway. It was a, a garden gnome, similar to a bobblehead, but it, it was a gnome kind of figurine where um, I'm, I'm throwing up the metal horns, I'm wearing a Metallica shirt, and in the, in the base of the of figurine, there's a speaker that played Metallica. And in order to do all that stuff, we had to get permission from the band. And right. um, I got to know um, their manager and some of the people that work with them and um, – uh, I've been to a couple shows and I've gotten to meet them. Um, actually, just caught up with them. We were in San Francisco and it was Metallica Day at AT and T Park. Um, so it, it, it's been really cool. Um, they, I, I'm pretty sure they they prep the guys when um, I get ready to see them because like they talk to me like we're friends and I really appreciate them. You know, kind of humoring <laughs> me and and uh, remembering my name and stuff like hey, that. Hey, Sean, <laughs> good to see yeah. you again, bro. Hey, how's the wife? How's the foundation? Insert name here. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but um, no, it's it's been it, it, it's been really cool. I've gotten to see kind of their their headquarters in 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 the Bay Area. Their you know top secret metal laboratory, which is which is really cool. So. I mean, for me, they, I grew up a metalhead. That's kind of how I was raised. Um, my dad kind of uh, introduced me to that music at a, at a really early age, and um, they're probably you know my my favorite band. So to have met them, you know, a few times is really really cool. And they're friends of baseball too, which I found very cool. That uh, you know, you say that like, a, what is it annually? You know, they'll go to a Giants game and they'll do you yeah. know, the anthem, and that they've got you know Metallica night. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, the, I mean, uh, Mariano Rivera, Yankees closer, uh, pr the, probably the best closer of all time, used Enter Sandman as his intro song, and uh, during his last season, they actually played the song live at Yankee Stadium. Um, they're big baseball fans. They're big sports fans. Um, they're mm -hmm. big sports fans. Um, I've seen them at Raider games in the Bay Area uh, when I was out there. Um, you know they uh i mean they're they're sports fans yeah they get it and it's a cool combination too because i remember coming up and i'm a little bit older than you but i do remember coming up when metal was this thing that like you know you were a metalhead or you were jock and like the metalheads and the denim jackets and we're smoking in high school and then there's the jocks and the letter jackets and they're like yeah hey, you burners whatever you know and now all that stuff comes together and music and sports are just like fused together <laughs> Excuse me, that was uh, my days of high school smoking. Right? <laughs> Bring back some memories. I want to talk a little bit about your history. And uh, interestingly enough, you don't remember uh, some of the history that I first found about you, but you you know, were in South Dakota. Your dad was in the Air Force. Yeah. Um, I got my radio start in South Dakota. Oh, that's right. I was the first person to play Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre on the radio in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. <laughs> and uh, your dad was stationed at Ellsworth. And yep. while you were just a kid, you don't remember it. Um, I you know, wanted to ask, what was it like growing up with an Air Force veteran dad? Was he tough? Was he that typical kind of strict military parent? Yeah. Yeah, he was. I mean, um, attention <laughs> to detail was really important. Um, paying attention to... Like, you know, curfew, like if he said be home at nine o'clock and I was home at nine oh two, like, well, I was grounded and I had, you know, oh. I had to give away the keys because, you know, I'm late. So uh, if you're on time, you're late. Um, but, um, you know, everything was very uh, everything was regimented. It was disciplined. Um, 
at the time uh, when I was growing up, I didn't really understand it. I didn't agree with it. I kind of pushed back on it. Um, I was a kid, but I, I didn't really know. But as I grew up, I got older. Looking back on it now, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Uh, I think it kept me kind of... <laughs> Uh, out of trouble for one, but it also taught me, you know, a lot of things that, you know, I've been able to use um, later on in my life. So, um, yeah, it wasn't always the easiest, but, um, you know, I'm very grateful for it. Right on, right on. And it served you well, too. Uh, was he tough on training? Did he, did he, I mean, was he kind of involved in your sports upbringing as well? Like making you stay focused and if you're going to start this sport, Sean, yeah. don't quit. I know T-ball's tough, but <laughs> no crying in baseball, damn it. I mean, was he that kind of dad? Super, uh, yeah, he was super um, hands-on and, and very into uh, whatever sport my brother and I were playing at the time. He, he was usually our coach or at least on the coaching staff. He was helping out in some capacity. We had, you know, we had the basketball hoop in the driveway. We had a we had a batting cage in the backyard that we we strung up from some trees in our backyard, and um, it was a it was something where um, he never uh, like made us play a sport. He never made us join a team. But if we wanted to do it, he was going to make sure that we went all in and, and we saw it all the way through, and that we maximized our potential, you know, the best that we could. And um, you know, having somebody there. Um, that was that supportive. Um, I think kind of it, it. It helped me out so much. It helped my brother out so much. Um, you know, we were able. My brother and I were able to play on several teams where my dad was the coach. And you know, growing up, um, that was something that we definitely bonded over. And um, I, I think I learned a lot, not just about baseball or basketball or whatever sport it was. Uh, while you know, you know, I didn't just learn a lot about the sport, but I found out later, as I, like I said, uh, as I got older, I learned a lot about you know how to do things the right way, how to how to pay attention to details, how to right. uh, be thorough and and do things with a purpose, um, uh, you know, rather than just going through the motions. And Nick, your upbringing had to be similar too, because you know, getting into the special operations field of the Marine Corps and being an intel officer, I mean, like you guys couldn't cut corners. I mean, they're you know, you're just not forgetting to pack something when you're on the AFPAC border and like, does anyone have, my, you know, I forgot my extra clip. I mean, you're not forgetting shit like that. No, no, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, we're, when I was growing up, my real mentorship came from, I was a member of a Marine Corps junior RTC program at my high school, which going into high school is the first year. And I kind of, you know, had that little judgment about like Jay Rotsy kids. Right. But uh, right, it, right. It, it turned out to be an amazing organization. And uh, at the time my home life wasn't exactly ideal. My parents were going through a Pretty gnarly divorce, but uh, I had two Marines, uh, Major Barker, who recently passed away, and Colonel Romero, and they were that stand-in, like, father yeah, yeah. figure type when it comes to, like, that type of discipline, uh, and really, really kept me in line. I have some 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 memories of discipline being enforced, <laughs> like, you know, uh, reinforcing all those different things, the attention to detail, being selfless, yeah. you know, not thinking about yourself, you know, and in high school, that's pretty much what you're focused on, whether it's yourself, sports, or girls, right? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> the top three, right? <laughs> Well, needless to say, you guys obviously had some uh, good mentorship and some good attention to detail because you guys have gotten to the top of your fields. Um, I'm kind of questioning. Uh, maybe they were too lenient on me. I only got as far as radio in this studio right here, so maybe I, I should have rethought. Hey, this is an awesome studio. <laughs> hey, real quick, I know we teased it in, in the very beginning, but I, I, I did want to ask, and maybe I should just you know bring back the uh, Hollywood music. <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Jimmy Doolittle. The tide that turned World War II. Doolittle's raid. Was that is that really a true story? I mean, yeah. the, it, obviously, I know in history it's a true story about mm -hmm. the you know famous raid off the you know the deck of the USS Hornet. 
really a familial connection there. He's in your family. Yeah, yeah he's a very distant cousin, uh, seventh cousin, I believe. Um, and um, I, I, I really, it was always something that I was, I was aware that I was related to him while I was growing up. You know, it, um, we did. <laughs> My brother and sister and I seem to do, you know, like a, maybe a book report on them like once a year. It seems like uh, in, in like in like grade school, um, and and we were always aware that we were related to them, but no one could ever quite nail down the actual connection. And when I got to the Bay Area, I was playing for the A's. Um, I wanted to go visit the USS Hornet. Um, it's docked in Alameda. It's actually not that Hornet. Um, that Hornet that he flew off was sunk at Guadalcanal. They mm. rebuilt a Hornet. Uh, okay. That to finish out World War II, and now it's docked in in um, in Alameda, uh, in the Bay Area, and and I wanted to go over there, and they had kind of politely asked me. Um, they were like, they wanted to do like a, a a segment for it, and they they really wanted me to be able to nail down the the connection uh, in the family tree. So I had to do some homework before I was able to go visit the Hornet. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I started out on Ancestry.com, but I ended up tracking down a, a, a genealogist who helped me kind of connect the dots. And seventh, so seventh cousin. So very cool. Really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Really cool. And the story, you know, it's, I mean, it's such an inspiring story. And I know, Nick, you know, you, you and I as veterans love military history, so we kind of know it. And oh, yeah. I was talking to my wife about it the other night, and it's so funny when we got done and I explained, you know, this whole thing about, you know, they didn't have enough fuel and they weren't sure where they were going to land and they had to crash and one went to Russia and the other guys landed in China and they, you know, they, they endured captivity. I mean, they endured being captives and then finally released. I mean, being POWs, the whole story is just magnificent glory to a veteran. And my wife goes, oh, you mean like at the end of Pearl Harbor with yeah. Ben Affleck? <laughs> yeah. You know that? The, yeah. He's like, the, and I was like, yeah, yeah. He's related to the dude played by Alec Baldwin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Christ, that's... Yep. That's a, well, that inevitably that's where I end up. Like if I'm talking to like a te- like my teammates about it or something, um, <laughs> um, and and they like I'll tell them the whole story and they're just kind of like looking at me like with this like you know their mouths open. They're just that like, actually what? happened. And I and I'm like, have you ever seen Pearl Harbor? Alec Baldwin, that guy. That's that's the guy. The and, they're, and they're like, oh okay okay, <laughs> yeah. So you know sometimes you got you got to meet people where they are. You, gotta- <laughs> you do you do. All right, uh, you've done some other great work, and uh, hey, just I, I wanted to ask you about the bad paper discharge. I wanted to reach out to you last year, and our schedules couldn't couldn't quite connect. But you were on, I want to say, a year ago Memorial Day with yeah. ESPN, yeah. and uh, you were talking a little bit. I just want to play a little clip here about uh, your work with bad paper discharges. You guys wrote a piece together for SI.com about the many veterans who don't have the help or benefits they deserve after serving their country. Sean, why are hundreds of thousands of veterans experiencing these issues right now? Well, this is an issue with bad paper and with all the work that we've done with military veterans over the years, both of us come from military families. Um, We kept coming across the um, statistics regarding suicides in the veteran community Um, And we wanted to figure out maybe why that was going on. And one issue that kept coming up was the issue of bad paper. And what bad paper basically is, is uh, service members who are discharged from the military um, for alleged misconduct. um, And it's an other than honorable discharge or it's a less than honorable discharge. And what it does is it strips them of their status as a veteran in the eyes of the VA, which in a lot of cases uh bars them from accessing any VA services. 
So in that, you reference that we, and of course that's your wife. Yes. Your wife, Erin, and you guys have been great with, you know, really committing to this cause. Talk to me about one of the examples of a veteran, why they got this bad paper discharge and why they really shouldn't have and why it prohibited them from getting the services that they really need. Um, so the bad paper discharge is the thing that I think affected my wife and I the most when we were learning about this is that so many of these instances, the, the conduct that got them the bad paper discharge could be directly traced back to their service. Um, and a lot of times it was uh, the result of uh, a serviceman or woman trying to cope with PTS or uh, a TBI, um, maybe a, a substance abuse issue, self-medicating. Um, there, there's an instance of somebody who was uh, an intelligence officer in, uh, I believe it was Afghanistan, and um, he he got PTS after seeing some of the things that he saw and 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 was about to transition out of the military, was stop lost. And uh, ended up, you know, basically trying to cope with that, having to go back, seeing, you know, and, um, you know, self-medicating with, uh, you know, prescription medication and alcohol. And, and you know, next thing you know, um, you know, he, he's kicked out of the military with a bad paper discharge. And, and, and too often, it, it, at least I think it, it has to be stated that we were just advocating on the on on those for, for those cases, the, the, the men and women whose whose alleged misconduct is directly traced back to their combat experience, their military service. There are, you know, cases of dishonorable discharges that have nothing to do with this. And that's, no, sure, that's sure. not what, what, what we're talking about. But, um, you know, originally the GI Bill, when it was set up in, in 1944 after World War II, um, these men and women, everybody with any discharge other than a dishonorable discharge after, as a result of a courts martial would be eligible for, for VA benefits. And, um, you know, at, right now the appeals process for these men and women to appeal their, their discharge status, it, it takes years, three, four, five years in some cases where they're waiting without any benefits, without any mental health uh, support, without any, you know, general health care support, um, we just felt like at a time when we're still losing 20 men and women a day to suicide, military veterans a day to suicide, that this is something that maybe need to be talked about mm -hmm. a little bit more. And, and in, in, in the months since then, it's almost been a year since we wrote that, um, op-ed, uh, we've seen the needle move a little bit on, on, um, uh, bad paper issues last December, um, the Fairness for Vets Act was passed. Um, now there is required screening when a military veteran is released from the military. Prior to their release, they're screened by a mental health board. So if they have any issues, mental health issues or general health issues that stem directly from their service, they will get treatment for it. Right. Um, so, you know, hopefully this is it, 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 it's a good starting point. Well, really appreciate you lobbying for that because you were out in front of it, as you'd mentioned, the piece of legislation that went through about December, whatever's going to look at that. And uh, in your experience, Nick, too, I mean, you've been with the special operations community, you know, probably disproportionately affected by some of these issues. Oh, absolutely. Uh, especially when, when people are still in, right? So in the intelligence community, most of us have like a TSSCI clearance, which is at the, the higher echelon. Um, but even every operator has to have at least a, a secret clearance. And when I was in, if you were to come forward and admit that you are experiencing system, symptoms of post-traumatic stress or anything like that, you could lose your security clearance. 
And so that kept a lot of guys quiet. I was going to say, ah, oh, and then guys bottling it up. Yeah, guys bottle uh, up, and, and they're, you know, amazing on the battlefield, doing great work, and then they come home, and their home life is a mess. You know, it's just awful, and it just builds and snowballs, and fortunately, that has since been changed. Um, but you do have people that have experienced that, you know, no fault of their own. You sure. know, they did what their nation asked, and then they're left out in the cold. And me, personally, I get all my health care through the VA, and I would be totally, uh, I would be in a really bad spot if I didn't have that, Right. And uh, to deny that to men and women that serve bravely and become victims of their own circumstance. And, uh, you know, it's easy for, I think, for people to judge. And again, we, you know, we're talking about these folks that uh, are not dishonorably discharged for bad, beha- inappropriate conduct, right? These are people that, yeah, yeah, like yeah, Sean yeah. just yeah. mentioned. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's easy to cast judgment. But when you're in that dark spot, right, like you're not thinking necessarily in a rational way. Mm-hmm. And people do things that can impact the rest of their life. Yeah. And it's not fair when you have especially young men and women that don't have those coping skills that fall victim to this and do something and now they're they're adrift, right? So, no it's Well, it's I thought horrible. from the second I saw it on ESPN, I thanked you for doing that. And you were still with Oakland then, so I was yeah. technically rooting against you, but I still was like, <laughs> "Oh, this guy's all right." I mean, you know, I'm really glad we picked you up and brought you here to Washington. So, thank you very much, guys. Uh, wrapping it up, um what else did I want to ask? Oh, yeah, my my brother-in-law told me to ask you this. Is it ever purposeful you hit the batter? I mean, we're really, and I know this is a podcast and you might not want to go on record and say this, but for the record, not a whole lot of people listen to this podcast. So if you reveal anything here, not too many people will find out. No, but I mean, how often is it that you want to edge the guy off the plate a little bit? Or I mean, did, yeah, I mean, it's real, right? Yeah. So this is one of those like unwritten rules of baseball people talk about all the time. Like the game is supposed to police itself, right? Like there's, uh, there are things that are done throughout the course of a game where you can send a message to another team or maybe retaliate for something that happened earlier in the game or uh, maybe in the, the uh, a previous matchup or something like that. And, um, you know, so I, I, if, if anybody's listening to this, we need to write those unwritten rules down so that we're all on the same page. Um, that, would be, that would be a huge help. But um, there are times where it's appropriate to send a message, I think, um, where... Yeah, you 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 have to hit a guy, and that sounds doesn't that sound ridiculous? Like no, I think it's that sounds sound like this super macho, like you know, like yeah, you know, sometimes you just gotta like hit a guy, you know? <laughs> but um, but but no, like y- you have to protect your players. If, right. if if there's an instance where the other team has hit a number of your guys on purpose or otherwise, um, if there's a situation where a guy on the other team uh, does a dirty slide maybe into second base to try to break up a double play that risks injuring one of your players, um, you know, it kind of also has to be a perfect storm where the situation that you're pitching in has to be the right situation. Because, you know, you're going to put a guy on base, you know, so it can't be in a close game. It, you don't want to give up the game just to make him right. just, just, just to make prove a your point. point. Yeah. yeah. And, and so makes sense. Uh, and there's a way to do it. You, if you, you, you can't throw up around the neck. Head or shoulders. Uh, it has to be. You want it to be around the ribs or 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 the, you know the belt, the midsection area, the, all the the meaty area. Yeah, I love it, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, all right, Major League. If you're listening, we should document this in the rules and just update. Yeah. I mean, look, if they can, but it should end right there. Um, yeah. No charging them right out. There. No. And and too often the case is that the you know, the other team takes exception to that, and then they st- they throw out another guy, and 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 I think that's what that's what we've seen. That's when you get these fights. That's when you get these long suspensions. When uh, it escalates to a point where the last word has been said, but then the other team feels like they need to get the last word in, and you know, I mean, enough's enough.
Super cool, man. Well, I, I really appreciate you saying that, man. I've actually never talked to a pro ball player about this. So I'm just honored we got to do it. I'll throw this out there, too. Maybe a penalty box. Take a cue from hockey. And if it gets bad enough, you guys can just get to, you know, just throw down. And then you get two minutes to sit out. And then we're done. Okay, We can, we can move on with the stinking game. All right. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, we're going to plug real quick, looking ahead. Uh, Chalk Talk with Grant and Danny from 106.7 The Fan. Uh, you guys are doing something soon. Tell me about that. Yeah, we're, uh, we're just going to get together, do a little Q&A at, at DC Improv. I believe it's June 6th. Okay. Um, and uh, at seven o'clock, um, we're just gonna kind of talk sports and hopefully a little Star Wars. I don't know. I really don't know what we're gonna talk about. So you gotta come check it out. Nice, nice. Yeah. And, and you're a Star Wars geek too. That's... Yeah, I'm a geek. Yeah, I'm a big geek. Uh, if the glasses didn't give it away, um, oh, we're on radio. But... <laughs> no, no. I'm gonna take a picture. <laughs> I look of like a geek. I'm, no, you know who you look like. And I'm gonna take a picture of this because I saw this in the Washington Post oh, come recently. On. But did somebody? <laughs> is that really a true story? Did somebody really think you were Seth Rogen on the? Uh, on the subway? No, they didn't think I was Seth Rogen, but all right, the whole story. We, I got to tell the whole story. Okay, so <laughs> this is r right after the season. Um, we were still here in D.C. There was a party at the stadium for all of the the workers who work at Nats Park, the, the security guards, the vendors, the ushers. Um, they were having like this big party. My wife and I went over to say thank you. Um, right. And uh, we spent some time there um, talking to some people. But but then we went out uh, for a date. I think we were going to dinner or something. The rest of the night after is a blur because of this. But we were taking the Metro and um, there was a group of like teenagers. One of them came up to me and he was like, hey, you know who you look like? And this is like right after the playoffs, so we okay. began a lot of attention. I just done like a meet and greet at the stadium. I was I was in like that that mindset where right. I was just like, hey, yeah, nice to meet you, you know. And I, you know, so I thought this kid was gonna be like, hey, you know who you look like? You look like that pitcher for the Nationals or something like that. And right. so and so, I, and I was like, who? And he he goes Seth Rogen, and like my wife was like she started dying laughing. She was like, you should have seen your face because like for a second you thought you were famous. Like you thought you had been like recognized in public, you know, like by <laughs> right. like some teenagers, like, you know, it's right after the playoffs. You just been on national TV a bunch. Like, yeah, you're, you're feeling good about yourself. Right, yeah. Right. And she was like, you should have seen your face. Cause you went from being like, you know, like had like your chest out and feeling like all cool. And then like he said, like somebody else's name and you were just like, what? <laughs> and like, and like, I just kind of stood there. I just kind of stood there. She was cracking up. The kids were dying laughing. I, I guess it's like a, I don't know if it's a joke on, on Seth Rogen or, or me at this point, but they're cracking up. They're like running up the escalator, like dying laughing. And I'm just standing on the platform like man, this train cannot come soon enough. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> but your comedy chops are on point because that, that was a pretty good story. I, I like it. I like everything you guys both do. Nick, Stubble and Stash, former Marsoc guy, man. Thank you, as always, for coming by. And uh, Sean, great to meet you, man. Best of luck. I, I broke my heart last October. I, I Come on now. <laughs> this year, let's go a little further because I loved seeing you pitch. I loved it when you come in and close. And, uh, you know, baseball, dude. It's just uh, it, it's such a thrill to watch. And uh, I thank you for what you do on the field. And most importantly, what you do for veterans off the field. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Special thanks for this episode. Go to Walter Johnson High School in Bethesda, Maryland for teaching me history and uh, helping me remember the impact of Doolittle's raid. Lieutenant Commander Jimmy Doolittle and the crew that bombed Tokyo. Thank you very much.
Also, special thanks to the Washington Nationals and Sean Doolittle himself. They play right up the street from the studios where we are recording this in Washington, D.C. Go Nats! Metallica have loved the music lifelong. Thank you for being a part of the entrance for Sean Doolittle every time he takes the mound and for the clip we use during this podcast. Would also love to extend a hand out to the members of Metallica and say that we would love to have you in the studio sometime soon. More special thanks to Nick Carnese of Stubble and Stash. You can find those grooming products at stubbleandstash.com. And a special shout out to all the Marsock Warrior Brothers out there. Thank you for everything you do. For ConnectingVets.com, I'm Phil Briggs, and I'll talk to you again on another episode of Vet Story. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.